Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Proverbs 3. You know, we're living in a day of, I've been thinking about chaos. That's the name I've kind of given it, chaos. And I looked up the definition of chaos, and it just literally says it's defined as a state of total confusion with no order. It's a situation in which people do not understand what is happening or what they should do. Does that sound like our day? Chaos. And let me, let me say this. Uh, we're in a series called Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. It's easy to live right side up in the day that we're living in. Uh, I know that uh, I know that Francis Frangipa, I read uh, actually my wife gave it to me, but I read a statement by him and as he was talking about that uh, there seems to be a cloud of unbelief, a cloud of disbelief that's just kind of hanging over our country right now, just a cloud of of distraction and distortion, actually distortion and uh, it's it's obvious thing, but here's the thing: it's it's not just happening in the world; it's happening in the church too. There's a lot of things. It's disappointments and things like that. Uh, you thought things would be different now. You thought with all of our prayers and with all of the things that's going on that things would change and things would be different. And I was reminded of a verse of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, where God says, "Don't re- don't refuse the voice that speaks from heaven," and. Uh, said that one time it shook the earth. And then in verse 26 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, he says, Yes, once more, I'll shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Um, this once more, verse 27, is the case the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And uh, as I've been praying about with the situation and... and I pray about the situation in our country, but most of all, I'm praying about the situation in my own heart. Myself sometimes being uh, attacked with doubts and fears and anxiety. And, and when I was reading these scriptures before, I'd talked to an elder about it, and, and immediately uh, the elder said to me, Well, I hear shaken, not stirred. And I couldn't get that out of my mind. You know, we've had a lot of stirrings, stirrings, Spirit realm, stirrings. And let me tell you what a stirring... When you stir, you're just agitating something. You're just mixing it up. But if you leave it alone, it'll just kind of all settle down. i got a feeling that what we're going through is not a stirring. I don't think it's just an agitation in the spirit realm. I think it's a work of God that's a shaking that's taking not... It's taking place. It's not only shaking this earth and ideas and things like that. It's shaking the heavens. I think there's a war on in the heavens right now that we are unaware of that is absolutely essential for God to do what He's going to be doing in our day. Uh, uh, that's what I think. Shaking is when things crumble, when things fall down, when things, the Scripture says, are removed or taken out of the way. What if right now that which God is doing 
And the reason we're not seeing breakthrough is because he's going to keep shaking until it removes the institution and the ideologies that don't work, that can't stand, that keep people trapped into deception and slavery to sin. What if God is right now shaking things that are not going to get fixed because they're going to crumble? They're not going to work. In order that, verse 28, we might receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. When things are shaking, get a hold of something stable. Something that's not going to shake. And we have a kingdom. The kingdom of God. I want to say something to you because I believe right now there's really a threat going on uh, in the church for compromise and mixture. Uh, You see, right now in America there's probably two gods, and I'll just say it because... Uh, there's a belief in America, and, and like the gospel, they call it the good news, but there's a belief in America that, that there's a God that serves Americans. There's a God that serves Americans. This God's a God of love. He does anything wrong with anybody. Uh, he loves everybody. He allows us to live in any way we choose and get whatever we lust after. Uh, he's here to deliver and defend us from all our trouble. He's gonna, he, nothing's gonna happen because, uh, he's, he's taking care of us. Everybody's forgiven and free to be fulfilled. Sin is now redefined and it's now immoral to be moral. Self and human beings are themselves king of the day. God has a word for that in Psalm 50. Verse 21, Psalm 50, verse 21, These things you have done, God says, and I have kept silent. You thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you, and I will set them in order before your eyes. You thought I was altogether... You see, this God we've made in our image, and I say we because all of us have a little bit of it, we have sprinkling. That's what I'm talking about, the, the compromise. We have a little bit of the sprinkling. We've, we've accepted the, the, the popular. We've accepted the things that absolutely are not the true God at all. But we've relaxed, and let me just say it the way we used to say it when I was a kid, we went with the flow. You just kind of carry it out. We just kind of let those things drop. And let me tell you, it's going to be really hard to live right side up when you're still thinking upside down. Not only do we need a renewing of our mind, but what I'm going to share with you this morning is because what I want more than anything else is uh, to share with you the true God who is right now in authority over America. I don't care what anybody else says. I can tell you that there is a God who has a kingdom and that kingdom has been reclaimed and restored through the blood of Jesus Christ and it is right now in authority in America and all over the world. And there is coming a day that all the kingdoms of this world will be swallowed up into the kingdom of God. 
There is a God and people tend to forget. It's not the God who serves Americans, but who one day all Americans will serve. He rules a true king. His his is the true story, the whole story. It's written down for us in a single volume that is made up of 66 individuals. It was written over 1,500 years and preserved for us through the generations in order we might know the truth and that truth have the ability to set us free to live in the fullness of that kingdom. But you see... For a lot of people about that other God, this is not His Word. The writings of men. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. And listen to me. This false God that we have made in America that just lets anything go, this false God will keep you in bondage and will keep you slave to sin. It will not fulfill you. In fact, it will destroy you. Good news, preacher. Really good news. So let me tell you the true story. 2,000 years ago, God sent His only Son to redeem and reclaim His creation through the blood of a cross. Jesus came as the personification and demonstrated this kingdom that God had always intended, but man had lost. And this Jesus said, Himself in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, to the Creator God, except through me. That's not just phraseology or play on words, it's actually true. Jesus lived, died, rose again to restore and remove every barrier for whosoever receives Him to live in the privileged kingdom now and one day will live in the fullness kingdom when He comes back. And before Jesus ascended, after the resurrection, after the cross, sin had been defeated, Satan had been openly despised and, and shown as defeated, and gray, the grave had been turned upside down. Jesus says to His disciples, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. According to Ephesians, Jesus is right now seated. That word kathizo means He sat down because there's nothing else to do to complete a work. He sat down completely in victory. He sat God's right hand in heavenly places. Don't make that a place. Places in italics. In the heavenlies, which is all about us. Jesus is seated in the finished work of His cross, far above all principality, which is rule, far above power, which is authority, far above might, which is power, and every dominion. And He's above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Philippians tells us that God has exalted Him so high and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father.
Jesus is not going to have authority one day. Jesus will be Lord one day. He is Lord right now in America, and He's Lord over all. Whether you believe that or not doesn't change the reality. Your faith doesn't make Scripture true. Scripture makes your faith true. I want you to understand that there's a kingdom that's not going to be shaken by politics. It's not going to be shaken by, by lies and mockery or by immorality. Listen, all the sin in hell can't change the truth of the kingdom. I remember a time in my life when God had called me to preach and I said no. And I began from Him. And let me tell you something, when you run from God, when God has a hold of your life, and when you're running from Him, you'll run into Him at every turn. You get sick and tired of people telling you about Jesus because that's the last name you want to hear about when you don't want to do what Jesus tells you to do. And so from the very time telling you, there's some people that's just kind of squirming saying, I don't want Him to be Lord. I want Him to be someday Lord. I want Him to be that Lord that's out there someday that I can do whatever I want now and live like everybody is living now and enjoy it. Let me tell you, you will never enjoy it if you really know Jesus. Okay, let me get to the sermon. We are receiving this kingdom that's not going to shake. It's already settled. The end of the story has already been written. We're just getting to it. We're just living in the day in the overlap of ages until what Jesus purchased for us, while we're living in the reality of it now, we will someday live in the fullness of it. But we're living in the reality of it now that the world might know that He really did send Jesus, Jesus really did die, and that we really are His body. What I want to show, share with you, I am more excited and convinced of the power of the kingdom than ever before in my life. And, and I, God showed me the, the truth of the kingdom back in 1997. And I've been studying it, looking at it, and kind of going in and out. But for this year, God has just brought it back to mind that there is something, there's a, there's a clash of kingdoms that's going on right now. And God is going to win God is going to win. So what is important for us, and I'm going to talk to you as the church, is for us to have a kingdom heart in the midst of the doubts and fears and the frustrations. A kingdom heart. A heart set on the kingdom. Really, the heart set on the king. So in Proverbs chapter 3, it's going to be very familiar to you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Here's a kingdom heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your knowledge, Him and He'll direct your path. Now this scripture, Solomon, he is presuming this is the pathway, but the presumption that this is a way to, the, to a relationship with God. You see, the glory of coming to faith in Jesus Christ is that you have a heart exchange. It was prophesied in Ezekiel. You see, it's the promise of the new covenant that brings about a new creation. 
Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27 says, I will give you and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone, that hard heart, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh or a pliable heart for me. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. God has given you a heart. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to tell you, whether you like it or not, you've got a new heart. That's why sin doesn't, doesn't work. You think you're getting away with it, but you wake up every morning guilty over what you did last night. Why would you be guilty if it's all okay? So let me say, trusting in the Lord is to have absolute confidence in the integrity and reliability and the justice and the truth of the Lord. Batak is the Hebrew word, trust. It's, a, it's an action word. It's not that you one day trusted. It's that you are in the process of trusting in the Lord. You're trusting. The, the idea is that you throw yourself completely down before Him. Cast all your present and future needs on Him and you find your security and safety in Him. I get the picture in my mind of somebody pulling you out the depths of the sea and bringing you, breathing into you the breath of life and you wake up and see who it is. And you see what they've done for you. They've snatched you out of the very place of torment and destruction. And now you would automatically fall in gratitude and trust because they were able to do for you what you could never do for yourself. This trusting is to throw the whole weight of your life on the Lord. And that word Lord, if you're reading King James Version or New King James Version, you'll see it in all caps because it's the translation of the word Yahweh. It's the covenant name of God. I am. It's the God who exists. In other words, you're not trusting in some man-made, some God that you've made up in your image, some idol. You're trusting in the covenant God that created everything and exists and all things exist because of Him and all things will continue because of Him. You're trusting in the God who is absolutely faithful, sure, and true and has integrity that would make ours look shameful. He's the self-existent one. But listen, you trust Him with all your heart. Lave. The heart, many times it's you, central part of the Scripture. In fact, especially in your relationship with God. The heart, I'm not talking about the blood pump. Sometimes it's used that way in, in Scripture. But the heart is talking about the center of your being. The inner Man, it's the center of all a person's emotional, intellectual, spiritual, moral activity. It's the seat of your thinking, your feeling, your desires, your plans, your decisions, your judgments. It's your core personality. It's, it's in that part of you that makes you, you. Let me tell you, nobody knows you like God knows you. It's that inner nature. It's the core of who you are. It's that part when you're born again that the Holy Spirit occupies and lives to the character and the condition of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's what it said. With everything you are that makes you do what you do, trust Him. 
trust Him. Look to Him for security and safety. Look to Him for reason. The next word says it this way. Don't lean on your own understanding. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's understanding. Don't, in your own understanding, don't lean. Understanding is put first. In other words, lean not means don't support yourself or place confidence in your own understanding. And that is your human understanding, your intellect, your education, knowledge, talents, logic, experience, reasoning, or perspective. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have it. You have but Don't lean on it. Don't let it be your confidence. Don't turn first to your own limited viewpoint. You know everything, even if you think you do. Don't try to work things out in your own wisdom or skill. Barner Research did something. They said 90% of church-going Christians don't make important decisions based on God's Word or in seeking His will. Instead, they make decisions that are based on a, per- on a person's own intellect, other people's opinions and advice, or what they feel is right. I could spend some time there. We are in a society right now that is absolutely sensual. Everything's about feelings. And we've even bought into it in the church. We preach to, for people to feel good. I'm going to tell you something, and let me just be real honest. If you're walking with Christ, there's going to be some times you walk into things that don't feel good. They don't feel good. They don't, not only do they not feel good, they feel awful. I don't know about you, but I bet the cross wasn't comfortable. I bet when they saw him and beat him, I doubt it's fun. And it's funny, it says, the Scripture itself says, if you are following Jesus, you will have persecution. I don't know that persecution has ever been a joy blast. You've got to understand, and please hear me, I'm not saying that we don't have understanding and those kind of things, but let me tell you, it's not whether people join a church because they feel good about it. What's going to happen when they don't feel good? That's okay. Don't lean on your own understanding. Quit chasing down all the possibilities you can think of before trusting the great I am. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In, in, in every aspect of your situations in life, in your path, in your journey of your life, acknowledge Him, God, great I am, a self-existent one, the one who's really in charge. Acknowledge Him. Now, when I think of acknowledge, I think, well, confess Him to be who He is. Acknowledge Him. The word in Hebrew is yada. Yada. It's the word of intimate knowledge. It's the word of experiential knowing. God is inviting you that in every situation of your life to invite Him, and He is going to be there to make life with you. The yada is the same word used, Adam and Eve. 
There's an intimacy God is wanting to have with you right in the middle of your life, right in the middle of the circumstances of your life. If you will trust Him, He will come right into the situations of your life and He will be closer to you than anyone else could be. And then here's the promise, and He will direct your path. The word direct there just simply means that He will make your way straight, smooth, and more than that, He declares that it's right and it will get you to the, to the, to the intended goal. God promises you if you will trust Him with all your heart and not go for everything you think and really acknowledge, let Him be close to you and intimate with you right in the middle of your circumstances, He says, I'm going to make sure everything turns out exactly what I intended and for your good. Now there was a time in Paul's life where he was going to go to Macedonia, but instead he went to the prison. I don't think that'd probably fun. But in that prison, Paul wrote Philippians. He wrote so a lot of these books that we've been reading 2,000 years later. And because Paul, was, he, he, God directed his path to the place that was going to develop his character, that he could write a book that would be in the Scripture for all eternity that would help Christians know how to trust God. Sometimes we don't know what God is up to, but we trust Him. That's a kingdom heart. I don't know what's going on right now, but I know who's in charge, and I know I can trust Him. And no matter what it's going to mean for me, I know that when it turns out, it's going to be exactly what God intended and what's best for me. I will be what God intended me to be. A kingdom heart. Now here's the thing. There's another word that's used four times here, and it's the word your, personal. Nobody can trust God for you. Nobody can give you a heart for God. Nobody can give you a heart for God. There ain't enough preaching that can give you a heart for God. It's yours. You've got to trust Him with all your heart. You've got to not lean on your understanding. You've got to acknowledge Him and walk into Him. And He will do your path. It's personal. Nobody can do it for you. And nobody can take it away from you. responding to life situations with a kingdom heart is your choice. In other words, what's going on in the world today, you can choose how to respond to it. I can respond to it with a kingdom heart or I can respond to it with anxiety and fear and trepidation and wondering what's coming next. Or I can say, God's on His throne and I'm His child and He's working everything out exactly the way it needs to be for me to become what He's intended me to be. That's a kingdom heart. No one else can do it for you and no one else can be blamed if you don't. Here's what I'm saying. Give God your total trust. I mean total. Nothing held back. No games, no sounding words. It's not a religious exercise because let me tell you, He deserves your absolute confidence. When you were yet in your sins, Christ died for you. He didn't wait till you showed up. He gave the sacrifice before you were ever thought in your mom and dad's mind. Jesus made a way for you. He delivered you. Some of you have been delivered from incredible things that held you in slavery and bondage. He deserves your confidence. Me too. 
Get a heart. Have a heart for the kingdom. The second thing, and I'm going to have to hurry. Keep your heart. Keep it. You're not only responsible to trust Him, but you're responsible to keep that trust solid. Real quickly, Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else. Above everything else, above your business, above everything going on in your life, here's what you need to do. You need to guard your heart because out of that heart is going to come the flow of your life. And if you don't guard it, nobody else will. In fact, people love to play with your heart, don't they? How do I guard my heart? Proverbs 4.22 for 20 and through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Get into God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. In the word, give attention to the word, to his sayings and to what God is saying. To what is what God is saying through what is written. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit will guide you you by the Word of God. Give Him a chance. Proverbs 4.24 Put away your deceitful mouth. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. The message translation says, Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Don't be Christian one day and worldly the next. Avoid careless banter, white lies and gossip. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Guard your talk. Give attention to the Word, guard your talk. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look right before you. Message says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Guard your view. Guard your view. Folks, listen, this is really concerning me now. I made a prayer issue, and I'm just speaking the name of Jesus over it. But we are now, with our phones, we are now, we are constantly viewing what the world wants us to see. You are not in control of it. The only control you have of it is whether you're going to look at it or not. And let me tell you, the world is feeding you. Eye and ear gate. They're feeding you. And it will naturally gravitate to what you see and to what you hear. Parents, listen. It is not your kid's responsibility to be mature enough to know what they need to view. Let me sit over here. They didn't like it. It's not your kid's responsibility at their maturity level to know what they need to view. You say, well, it's, it's harmless. Tell that to a man who grew up looking at pornography. It's harmless. No, it's captivity. It's bondage. It's slavery. It's sin. And let me tell you something. I'm not saying take it away from them. I'm saying know what they're viewing. And then tell them the truth about what they're viewing. Parents, we need to get back involved in our kids' lives and stop trusting them into a, something that they can hold in their hand. Yeah, you know where they're at because you've got 360. But do you know what they're looking at? You know what they're viewing. What's coming into their eye gate, their ear gate. 
Now, before I get off that, parents, this also involves you. Look what you're looking at. Look what you're viewing. How much of your can I meddle? How much of your job wastes time at looking at something else? Okay. Last one. You're saying, praise the Lord. Verse 26 and 27. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or left. Remove your foot from evil. Watch your step is the message. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. If you'll watch your step, the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither to right or left. Leave evil in the dust. Guard you walk. Guard you walk. There's a scripture I pray a lot. And uh, it's really gotten into my heart lately that, that I've gotten... Uh, because of what I'm at, it's Psalm 39, 23, and 24, and this is the New Living Translation. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Let me tell you something. You don't know your heart. Your heart will deceive you. What I mean by that, your heart has desires. And it, your, your actions will default to your heart's desires. That's why I'm talking about the sensuous. We're living in a sensuous society. You can tell me you want to quit something all you want to, all you want to but you will default to your heart's desires. And if you don't let God change that and default to what God is truth, what true, what's true there, the right, what's side up, let me tell you, you will default to your heart's desires. It's just the way God made us. And all perverted it. But we were made to have a desire for God. We were made to have response to God. I love relationship with God. But the world and man and man's sin has perverted it into where now it is. Okay. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and see if my, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Point out anything that offends you so that I can trust you in it. That I can have a kingdom heart about it. That I can guard my heart from it. Lord, point it out. Guarding your heart's the hardest work you'll ever do spiritually because it means you have to lay it bare before the Lord. And you don't just lay it bare today. You lay it bare tomorrow. And you lay it bare the next day. And you lay it bare the next day. There'll never, I'm, I'm old. There'll never be a time that I don't have to lay it bare before, if I really have a kingdom heart and I really want it. To, to end up where he said I could go. I said, Preacher, do you really believe that? Any, I am more convinced the kingdom is right now in, in the. He, it is so winning the war. But not so much in America. I'm convinced more of the kingdom and confident in its power and its presence. Why? Because there's somebody praying for us. It's not going to be on the screen. If you want to know where it's at, it's in John chapter 17, verses 15 and the following. Jesus is praying. And we know that. He comes out of the upper room and goes and, and John 13, 14, 15, 16, he tells them he's with his disciples. He's on his way to the cross. And he takes time personally to pray for this generation as well as all generations. Here's what he prayed. Lord, I don't pray, Father, I don't pray that you would take these out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify, I set myself apart on a cross that they may also be sanctified or set apart by the truth. I don't pray for these alone, but I I pray for all those who will believe in me through their word. Let me tell you, I used to think that he was talking about his disciples and all those who would believe because of their word. But I'm convinced we're in that same kingdom, we're in the same story as his disciples. This prayer is for us where we are, that, that God, Jesus, is praying for all of those who are going to believe in him through our word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them. That they may be one, just as we're one. I in them, you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world would know that you have sent me. And have loved them as you've loved me. Did you know that right now God loves you with the same love that he loved his son Jesus with? He's in us. We're in Him. Listen to me. He's the same Jesus that ascended, that has all authority, is right now alive in us. The works that Jesus did, the Bible says, you will do greater. Why? Because He's in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. And there's more of us than there were of Him. And now we have the opportunity. Listen, we need to expect Jesus to do His work through our body in this day. We need to expect healings. We need to expect deliverance. We need to expect uh, salvations. We need to expect transformation. Why? Because Jesus transformed. Well, where's Jesus? In us. And He's praying for us. And for all those who will believe because of who we are. Get a kingdom heart. And then put a garrison around it with all your actions to keep it. Trust in Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I honor you and I bless you today. And I, I thank you for the reality of your truth. I thank you for the kingdom. Jesus, I'm asking you to give us a revelation that you would let us know just how big it is and how much of a part we have in it. It's this day, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to us, set us free, set us on, 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 on mission for what you've purposed for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Every morning when we wake up, we, we, we wake up to a Robert Frost moment because there's a road that diverges in front of us every day, sometimes multiple times a day for me, it seems like. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a navigator that we can call to, to to help us go down that path. Um, if you're named Karen, I apologize. Karen on Facebook will tell you things about what you should do and how you should act. Social media is full of good advice and bad advice. God's Word, which is also available on your phone, uh, God's Word is the only course that will lead you to life, health in your core. And what's in your core is going to come out of you. So if you don't like what's coming out of you, change what's inside of you. Um, Everything that comes out of our mouth comes out of our hearts. So uh, that, that verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 22, listen closely to my words. They are life to those who find them. We have to look for it. 
We have to search it. We have to seek it out. We'll find what we're looking for. If we're looking for trouble, it's out there. But if we're looking for God's word, it's available for us too. Um, Father God, thank you this week. As we go back into our everyday lives, back into our households, in our work, and in the marketplace, Lord, I know that there's going to be paths and choices for us to make. So, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us see God's path for us forward in every situation that we come to. Lord, give us a hunger in our hearts to change our core, to seek you, to look, to, to, to look more to you, to want more for you and from your word. Lord, set those words deep into our hearts as seeds. Let them fruit in good season. And let what comes out be for your kingdom and for you. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming. This Wednesday, NCC Kids picks off. Uh, 6.15 is a drop-off time. Please don't drop them off early. Um, And tonight, 5 o'clock, youth over at the NCC West Building. Thank you all. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 